The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders and their organizations, identifying the trends that will most likely disrupt their businesses and develop business strategies and business leadership practices to leverage those trends to create strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming organizations. I'm also an adjunct faculty member in universities in the U.S. and Germany. With me on the show today is Mike Sayer and Dale Meyer-Rose. Mike is the Metcalf & Associates President and COO, and this is the first show he has been officially our President and COO. He's also the Transformation Practice Lead. He loves tackling great leadership challenges that require a high level of business acumen and experience, an inquisitive and open mind, a collaborative leadership style, and people development to sustain increasing momentum. He has successfully led major transformations and privately and publicly held technology companies in cybersecurity and educational software, e-commerce payments, and electronic manufacturing services, and large publicly held manufacturing organizations as well, most with international operations. Dr. Dale Myros is a retired Air Force Major General and the first president-appointed U.S. Senate-confirmed Chief Information Officer of the U.S. intelligence communities. With over four decades of military, government, industry, and academic experience, this internationally recognized technology thought leader offers practical advice for CIOs, leaders, and organizations they run in navigating the 21st century digital world. Dale is an internationally respected subject matter expert on leadership, strategic planning, cybersecurity, e-health and information technologies, and intelligence and military matters. He is also a strategic partner with Metcalf & Associates. So for this show, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations, it's my goal that each of our listeners hears something that they can put into practice in their lives, whether they're leading a large complex organization or leading something in their community or their families. So I hope that you are listening for something that's a takeaway and whether the person that I'm interviewing is a political leader or a consultant or an executive, each of them have in common in my mind that they have practically led and transformed organizations. And our intent is that you hear something that will apply to your lives. So the outcome of this show, as we listen to leaders talk about their transformation success, it sounds as if they've created plans, executed on the plans, and declared victory. In working with large, complex organizations, this is rarely my experience. They did develop plans, execute on the plans, and declare victory. But that's never the whole story. So things happen. They derail projects. And some of those things look like acquisitions, divestitures, marketplace changes, competition. And in my view, the true test of a successful leader isn't did they create a plan, but how did they pivot when things went wrong? How did they respond to the change? revise the strategy, revise the goals, change the implementation to maximize the benefit of the change that was happening and revise their objectives. So with that, let's go to Mike and Dale. Uh, You have both led successful transformations across multiple sectors and industries. I would be interested in hearing more about some of the challenges that came up for you and how you responded. So let's start with a change you didn't anticipate. What happened and how did you respond? 
Okay, thanks, Maureen. Uh, happy to be here with you and Mike. I would like to first give just a very brief reference to the element of change. You know, change is a continuum from very, very minor to very large. And sometimes we get confused about that and, and staying straight on that, I think, is important. So the analogy I use is uh, you have a road and it has potholes. Do you fill the potholes? Do you repave the road or do you build a new road? And that sort of gives you the continuum of uh, some changes uh, are minor, the destination's not changed, while other changes at the extreme are major. And so from, from my experience, the more extreme the transformation, the larger the change, the bigger the people impact. And in fact, one of my opportunities was to help start the first uh, military command that worked homeland security things within the continental United States. And so, in essence, we took a command that was oriented towards space and reoriented it towards homeland security and homeland defense. And so, that took a complete people swap out. And that's what really surprised me was is that the bigger the change, the more of a talent pool change. Now, it may be that you have to hire a bunch of new people because you've picked up a new product line or, or you're doing something different. And part of it may be you may have to divest yourself uh, because the change makes things that were done in the previous conditions uh, no, no longer relevant. Coming up through my career, the element of major change and how disruptive it was to people was something that uh, even when you anticipate it and you plan for it, it is a major thing to try and tackle, uh, particularly all at once. And transformation is typically change brought about faster. That's the psychology, I think, uh, associated with that element of change management and leadership. Well, and when we talked about transformation being paving, not paving the road, not filling a pothole, but in some cases creating a new road or circles or bridges, mm -hmm. tearing stuff out that was there, which means there's the extraction. And unlike concrete that just goes in a recycle bin, it's humans, real people whose lives are impacted. Right, in exactly. <clears throat> and oftentimes, in most organizations, even in major transformation, the organization has to continue to operate in some shape or form. Now, it may be, mm -hmm. you know, a, a slightly changed or, or altered, but organizations don't have a switch that you turn off, and then when you're ready to start the organization back up again, you turn on. And so there's that transition period where handling the people issues is very, very important. As we know, particularly in business, uh, everybody is brought on with a different, you know, contracts, different periods of time. They have different tenure. As you know, the workforce today is multi-generational. And so some in your workforce may be, you know, just starting out in their career, you know, late teens, early 20s. And some of your workforce may be towards the twilight of their career, you know, like in their 60s. Or 70s and, now. Or, or 70s. Uh, don't remind me about, about, about that magical <laughs> How age. much long you're gonna, <laughs> longer you're going to be working? <laughs> That's right. But uh, again, we as leaders, we tend to think of change as it affects the organization. And the more dramatic the change, the more the change dramatically affects people. And that's where the leadership element really comes in. So one thing that stands out to me about Mike, he, the first time he talked in my grad school class, he talked about a transformation at prior company and how the impact on people's lives impacted him. And that was really one of the moments that I understood the quality of person you are. So I would love to hear more about how you manage those transformations because people stay with you even though they know that jobs are going away. I think you're talking about probably one set of circumstances in particular mm -hmm. during the, the Great Recession, <laughs> as it's called, been called. We had gone through a period where we had really transformed a lot of what the company was doing and changed directions mm -hmm. and expanded and done a number of things. But we were in the middle of a rather large transition uh, in terms of what we did as a company mm -hmm. in a major part of the business. And that was being financed by what little profit we got from what we used to do. And then the recession hit and that business that we were using to finance that transition just really started dropping like a rock. And the customers didn't know when it would end. We didn't know when it would end. 
And so we went through uh, actually a number of layoffs over probably about a year and a half. And in each one, uh, we did exactly what we thought we needed to do based on all of the information we had. And then another quarter or two would come and that information we had wasn't as good as we had hoped it would be. And so what we did, I guess, was sort of multiple fold in that we were very transparent with everybody being laid off and actually those staying, which was extremely important, so that people knew exactly why we were doing what we were doing, what the thought process was behind it, and more importantly, what are we doing now, and how do we mitigate the chances of this happening again, and even most importantly, what exactly do you need to do, you know, as an individual or as a group to help us in that effort and and try to improve the situation for yourself and everybody else at the same time. So, and that gave people things to focus on other than the fact that the economy's bad, people are losing their jobs. And actually the first thing we started out with was encouraging them to reach out to the people that got laid off. So I encourage them to reach out to people who got laid off and help them however they could. We did everything as a company that we could to help them find new jobs. And that level of caring, I think, for the people that were leaving and for the people that were staying and being so specific and telling them what they could do to, you know, to really help move the business forward was just really really helpful. And and during that process, we had three layoffs. Eventually, we had one more, but we only lost one person who left voluntarily. And that's because they got a great opportunity that they'd Mm -hmm. been looking for for a long time. So, yeah, so it worked out pretty well. And that's a huge contrast compared to the first time I had to let people go. And in fact, we told our team not to reach out to people because that's what we were advised by our outplacement firm is no contact. And we let people go not because of poor performance. We had a certain number we had to meet to meet our objectives. It wasn't that we were hiring people who were incompetent. So just over our numbers ended up being we let go 12 people and I think we lost 75 within the next six months. So huge contrast in how you deal with valuable human, I mean, we use the term human resources and we forget how valuable our precious humans are to the performance of our business and how they respond to how we treat them. Over and over, I found that people really are resilient. They want to stay and they, you know, and they want to believe and they, they want to make it work as opposed to just running out the door. So if you give them the reasons to do that and, mm-hmm. and you don't give them reasons to want to run out the door, they'll do it. They'll stick around. And that, I've had that happen over and over. Mm-hmm. But it begins by building trust, being transparent, and giving actual direction and opportunity to help make the whole situation better and being pretty specific about that when you can. Mm-hmm. I think Mike's uh, points about differentiating between how you deal change with the human aspect and also the organizational aspect is very good. And and to me, how he tied it together, it pretty much says that the only true differentiator in any business is the humans. Mm -hmm. It's not your technology. It's not your process. It is your humans. Because you can replicate the technology over time. You can replicate the other stuff, but the culture of our human people can't easily be replicated. And so organizations need to remember, I think, that human talent is your true competitive advantage over time. And the culture you create, the trust you build, and that comes from the care with which you treat them, not crazy stuff. It doesn't mean we all have foosball tables down the hall or any of that stuff, but transparency, honesty respect. Sometimes it's even, you know, I've come into some new situations where that is what I'm coming in to do is to make change or Mm -hmm. transform organizational. And the first thing that I had a lot of luck with is just not assuming that people are trying to mess things up, that they made a Mm -hmm. bunch of bad decisions. Because if I were making those decisions at the same time they had to Mm -hmm. with all the same, uh, you know, with all the same information they had at the time, I might have made the same decision, mm-hmm. probably would have. Mm-hmm. So uh, giving them credit for what they've done and not making you know negative assumptions mm-hmm. about what's happened mm-hmm. in the past and moving forward, I think is really helpful. Now, Mike, I think that reinforcing function is probably one of the key tools uh, when it comes to doing successful change. The environment has changed. The context has changed. And with it, we need to pivot. But that doesn't mean what you did when you were here before is bad. In fact, when I do strategic planning sessions, I start with, what did we do well? What are we proudest of? 
Now, on building on that as the foundation, where are we going? Even if the business is struggling, the fact that they're still in business and focusing on pivoting means they're a lot more successful than many. So this is Maureen Metcalf, Mike Sayer, and Dale Myros, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today, I am joined by Mike Sayer and Dale Myros, and we're talking about transformations and complex changes and how they unfold differently than we had imagined. So in this segment, let's talk a little bit more about what you've seen and some takeaways that you had. So do we want to start again with Dale? Sure. I've had a couple instances, and it was a repetitive type of thing, and it had to do with a company acquiring another company. You know, the idea of a big fish eating little fish. And so as, as you bring the teams together and you explain, okay, here's the goal and here's what we need to do and everybody on the same sheet of music, all right, ready? Here are your responsibilities, here are your responsibilities, let's get going. Didn't magically work that way? Didn't magically work that way. You know, took probably less than 15 minutes for us to, okay, now wait a minute, because they came from different organizations that had different corporate cultures. And so they all heard the same words, but they didn't translate their meaning the same way. And so immediately they started working against each other, not out of maliciousness, but out of a misunderstanding. And so even though as a leader, you may think you have clearly delineated what everybody needs to hear in order to move forward, these folks have not worked together as a team before. You've not worked with some of them as a team before. So those those relationship things that help with communication and help aid a team getting things done aren't mm-hmm. developed. And so so it ends up being a double double challenge. There's the challenge of precipitating the change that you're looking to bring about in the organization by the merger of these these two companies. And then there's the challenge of developing the new team, which has a different personality, a different set of standards, a different set of it than either of the other two teams had on their own. It came out the clearest in a couple of merger and acquisitions that that I helped out at the corporate level. But you see that play out all the time. Just the mere fact of somebody leaves and you hire a new person on the team, there's some assimilation. Starts over again. Starts over again. There's some assimilation 
that needs to take place. Uh, you know, the t- new team member, while they bring, you know, their talent and their skills, how do those fit in with everybody else's? And how does everybody else's fit in with theirs? I think that is something that if as a leader and you're faced with a situation of, of either bringing in new team members or a merger and acquisition, you're forming a new team, there's the realization that the journey is a learning experience, not just the outcome that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to maybe do a, what may seem to you to be a, a little bit of an illogical input or repetitive input to get the desired outcome when it comes to the new team. Mike and I have been having this conversation <laughs> in the last week. Things we think are things I think are clear, not always clear. On a number of situations where I've run into and been doing acquisitions and that sort of thing, it always helped when we as a company, because most of the time we were actually doing acquisitions as opposed to being acquired, although I've done that too. If we were pretty clear on what our mission and our vision and, and actually our guiding principles, how we work together, were clear. And actually had put together, you know, a card, which lots of people have philosophy cards. But frankly, if you don't follow them and you don't use them every day, it's just rhetoric. You know, it impugns your integrity and really not helpful. But if you really use it, you use it right, especially when you do acquisitions. And I used it uh, in a domestic acquisition in California when we were here in Columbus and also uh, one in the Netherlands. In both cases, being able to put that out first and talk very clearly about that and not only just me, but everybody else on the team talking about it as well. And then having people actually go to those locations and trade people back and forth, the more face-to-face interaction we could get mm-hmm. and, uh, and having sort of that foundation of the mission, the vision, and the operating principles shortcut some of that. You still have that. You're absolutely right. I mean, you're, you're going to have two different cultures because they didn't grow up together. And how you start to bring that together, you've got to start with something. It sounds like, though, having the people from the acquiring organization to be really clear, so at least you have one voice from that company, and then those you're folding in aren't hearing one message but seeing different behaviors. Right. And the mission and the vision can't be so confining Mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. the the combination, people aren't seeing mm-hmm. how it fits anymore. Because if it doesn't fit, then you need to you need to figure out what it should be. Yeah, I, um, I, I think what you're talking about is you're creating new organizational self-awareness. Yeah, uh, absolutely. To, to some degree. Yeah. And again, you can't necessarily predict what that is because you've got unknown variables of different people who have not worked together, and you have to understand those variables. And so it ends up being a dynamic environment, and that seemed to be what yes. you were describing there. Yeah, exactly. And yet you were crystal clear about who you were and what you stood for and what you would allow and not allow. I realize that sounds dictatorial, but there are certain ways we don't treat each other. It is not acceptable to yell at my people. That's correct. I mean, they're pretty basic things. They weren't any more specific than those types of things, but that just cleared out a bunch of noise right out of the gate. Because when somebody went down a path of coming in or you're, you're in a meeting or talking about somebody, you know, they're not listening to me and they want to do something that's going to hurt us. And you go, wait a minute, right? Let's just assume first that they want to be successful. They're trying to do the right thing and then figure out what is the difference between their thought process and yours. Mm-hmm. And, and work together collaboratively to figure out what's the best solution overall, right? Just keep the organization and what we're trying to do here in mind first. I, I think you bring up a couple of good points, Mike. And, and one of them is that the leader needs to keep the main thing the main thing. Hmm. When you have people like you described and we have ideas about this, they may be good ideas for problem number 49. We're working problems one through four. And so you give them the professional courtesy of, all right, we're going to capture that. We're not going to lose it because you have a good idea, but that's not what we're working on right now. And then convince them and your organization that when it comes time to work that as a matter of course, that fact you go back and you pick up that good idea so that that contribution of that individual is not lost and that the individual feel Because even though it was problem 49 for in priority for the organization. It might have been problem number one for them. Right. And so you can't completely turn the organization just to suit one individual necessarily. But by the same token, as soon as you start turning that individual off and not respecting their ideas or letting them know that you've heard and will take action on what they've got, 
it's a sale job for sure. Well, you're absolutely right, right? People want to be involved. They want to know that they're part of it mm-hmm. and that they're mm-hmm. part of making yeah. it better. And if you summarily turn away ideas, that turns people off. You know, the other thing I thought I heard you saying is something like assume positive intent. Absolutely. If you have a different perspective than I do, my goal isn't to convince you that I'm right. It's to listen first. Here, you may have experiences that I don't have. And so first I should clarify and understand, and then we collectively determine the next path forward. I walked into a very siloed organization where people were constantly complaining about each other and other departments and they weren't working well Mm -hmm. together. That one single statement about, wait a minute, assume first that they Mm -hmm. they actually want to be successful and Mm -hmm. do the right thing. Okay, now, now change your thinking. That was really helpful and being consistent, like you said, Dale, was even more helpful. Consistency is really key. So one of the tools we use is the vibrancy assessment. And underlying that, one of the questions is, I'm treated respectfully by everyone. So it's not just people at my peer level that treat me like a peer, but no matter where I am in the organization, I am treated with regard, respect, and I'm listened to. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone's involved in every decision because that ends up being a nightmare, but that I am included and not shut down. People treat me like I'm useful. I think it gets around the element. It's more than than I'm respected. It's, is my contribution valued? Mm -hmm. And they kind of go hand in hand. It's one is one and the other is one A. But, you know, is my contribution valued? And the point in time that you have individuals Mm -hmm. that think that their contribution is not valued, they will first shut down. Some of them will undermine you. Yeah. And then then they'll work either undermine you or, you know, become a disgruntled employee. And then obviously that walking down that path Mm -hmm. produces an an outcome that, that you may not have been after when you first started. Hey, Dale, when you've worked with some really large organizations and doing transformations there, how did you actually keep track? How did you do that with so many people and probably so many ideas sort of swirling around during that early time? What did you do? Well, first of all, I ended up with a team to keep track keep track of what all the activity was so, so that at some place in time there was some controlling element. But when you're talking about a large organization, it's not what do I do with the individual. It's what do I either inspire or cause supervisors to do with individuals. And so in a large organization, it was my relationship was not only to my direct reports, but to the supervisors. And so the way you talk to supervisors is different than, you know, you're coaching the supervisor to deal with individuals. You're not the one dealing with individuals. And so you need some basic policies of, again, how you treat people, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, how, how ideas get input, you have right the kind of process and those types of things. But when you're in a big organization, you're dealing with supervisors who carry this out, and you do that in a little bit different fashion than if you were, in fact, the first-level supervisor. So okay. let's do another lesson learned. Mike, what are one of your bigger takeaways from a transformation you've worked on? The bigger takeaways, you know, probably the the first transformation I did as CEO, I pretty much thought I knew how that job worked. I'd worked with a number of CEOs, <laughs> and I'd done, you know, sort of transformations in large organizations and organizations within organizations, but that was different. How so? Well, when I went into that position, all of the things that people had pent up for so long started coming out of the woodwork. And there were some major strategy challenges and that sort of thing already, but I hadn't understood how deep-seated mm. all of mm-hmm. those things were and how long they had been going on. And so, you know, I found that myself, I needed a little boost in my leadership maturity mm-hmm. and how I, I handled that. And it, and it wasn't that I did anything bad. It wasn't being a strong enough leader, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm. And so uh, going through a process, and I had a coach at the time who actually made me go through a a very (laughs) self-reflective process, which I really didn't want to go through, but I did anyway. After much encouragement. (laughs) Yes. But the result was that I came out of that, you know, much more confident Mm -hmm. uh, in myself. I was stronger. Uh, I was able to pull together a mission, a vision, and operating philosophies with the group And because they were so much in line with what I felt internally, it was so much more natural for me then to to lead from that standpoint. 
that was a, a big step for me. And I didn't realize I needed it, and I didn't mm-hmm. want it. And when, but when I did it, it was well <laughs> worth it. So that, that vignette, get, you know, causes me to think through. Uh, sometimes, and it relates back to your previous question. Those people need to know what authority they've got in order to do it. You know, they don't need to ask permission. Mm-hmm. And so, oftentimes, it's use your best judgment. We will back you. Within this parameter. Yeah, I absolutely trust my people. And there are some things that you don't have the authority to do. Absolutely. So this is Maureen, Mike, and Dale. And we'll be back shortly to talk about lessons learned and the guidance they have as all of us are going through either anticipated or unanticipated at some point transformations. And if we're not going through them now, we will in the next few years. So let's talk about the takeaways. And again, this is really what I wanted to focus on was not the build the plan, execute the plan, but how do you pivot when the plan isn't going to work anymore? So we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today we're talking about organizational transformation with Dr. Dale Myros and Mike Sayer. So we talked a little bit about transformation in the beginning. It's either filling potholes, paving roads, or building a new road. So let's go into a little further. What do you do different in a transformation than you do either paving or pothole, specifically because, at least in everything I've worked with, we don't shut down, as you pointed out, Dale, in the beginning. You're still running the operation, which is generating cash to keep business going and also to keep our customers satisfied. So how do you navigate both transformation and operational delivery? I think those are the $64,000 questions, if you think about it. When you transformed, I think what differentiates transformation from the change that happens all the time Mm. are two elements. One, is it drastic? And two, is it compressed for time? Time is money we know in business. A lot of the technology things we came up with, like rip and replace. You Mm -hmm. know, again, the the idea that, all right, I've made a decision that I'm going to change from one state to the next state, and I need to do it as quickly as possible. So if you think about the stress that that adds to your people— That if you're truly doing a transformation, you're doing something drastic and you're trying to reduce the time 
in which you reach that new state, that's a double set of stress factors uh, that you put on not only what you're trying to do, but who you're trying to do it with. You'll bring in consultants, but your team is your team. Right. And consultants can do a great job of doing some bridging and independent assessments and things like that. But can they help team grow together with the what I call the new normal? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you had a normal way that you did business, and then we have a change, and then there has to be a new normal way. Otherwise, if there's not a new normal way, you didn't change anything. Yeah, I want to highlight a transformation that I led. What we ended up doing is the legacy business continued to run, and we basically launched a new company within the ownership of the old company, and they ran as a separate organization. In some cases, we drew from the legacy staff, so those who were going to be good at transitioning into the new business. But we also hired a, well, we hired a CEO from the legacy business to run the new one. So he exited that role. We brought in a new COO, and then we hired some new and basically ran two companies for a while until we cut over. And I think, Mike, that's what you talked about, something similar to that in your first CEO job. Yes. I mean, that was what I was talking about that transformation from a large part of the mm-hmm. business was doing commodity work that could end at any time, but the yes. business had really taken off on that mm-hmm. commodity work. Yeah. And that's that was actually when I got put into that role, mm-hmm. my first CEO role. That commodity work, one of the challenges was on probably about half of it, we actually weren't making money on it, mm-hmm. we weren't making any gross margin. and But we had been focusing on growing the top line, and so that's what we did. But in a recession, that's the first business that goes away. And so you really need to, you, you need to be focusing on how do you stay in business long term, right? And, and in that, one of the things that we were working on building was actually what I called a perpetual earnings per share growth engine, right? Mm-hmm. How do you build a company that actually could almost literally run and grow forever? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that particular case, there was a lot of engineering capability, a lot of manufacturing capability. And so, you know, what we came around in terms of our ability to really perpetually grow, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, was actually to focus on our capabilities and helping our customers implement the new technologies as they come in. Does it make the, do the design work for them, be able to do the manufacturing mm-hmm. with any new technologies that came in, in or came into mm-hmm. play? you know, with what they were trying to do, help them make their products better. That is what we were starting mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. do there. And then the the economy came down, that commodity business started going away. And so then we had some tough mm-hmm. decisions to make in terms of, okay, what do we do now? Because we're not mm-hmm. quite there yet. You know, one of our biggest challenges was the legacy business felt like they were the cash cow and being disrespected. Mm. There's this cool stuff over there, but we're the ones making the money. And yet we are feeling like we're not important at all. That's the sexy new stuff. And so that created a lot of dissonance. So we had a lot of work to do, kind of referring back to our conversation about strategic planning and making sure that people understand that everyone's work is appreciated and respected. It's not just the new sexy stuff. It's everyone is truly required to enable this to stay in business. Well, getting back to something that Dale was talking about earlier, you know, whether it's a cash cow, whether it's a startup, whether it's a transformation, whether it's introducing an, a, a new product line, your window of time is very small. You just don't know how small. And so you really don't want to find out. And I found out about that a couple of times, right? <laughs> and once that happens, you become, you know, very keenly tuned in to the size of that window right. and the mm-hmm. fact that you don't really know what it is, but it's small. Absolutely. And so as, as somebody responsible for that, uh, you at times need a surge capacity mm-hmm. or you need a niche capability that you need during the transition period of time, but you won't need otherwise. And so there are three ways in which you get those kinds of things. You rent it, you buy it, or you grow it from within. And each of those have got advantages, and each of those have got disadvantages. And you probably have to use a combination of of all of those. You know, renting it means, you know, that's typically a consultant or a contractor or something like that. Uh, You buy it, that means you've, you know, bring it on, or Mm -hmm. you grow it from within, which sometimes takes a little bit longer period of time, uh, but that might be the right thing that that you need to do, uh, you know, for this work, for when time is compressed. And uh, and let's face it, business is about outcomes. And if you can't produce the outcomes in the allotted time, then, then you don't succeed at business. 
Well, and Mike, with your financial background, one of the things I appreciated about you is that you're always attending to making sure the business stays healthy from a cash and revenue perspective. Bringing it in and making sure that what you pay out isn't more than what you brought in. Yeah, well, that's very true. I mean, uh, especially if you have to go the path of bringing in investors Mm -hmm. and having additional investment. They're giving your money to get a return. They're giving you their money Mm -hmm. for you to get a return for them. Mm -hmm. And you can never forget that. And so that time window, you know, is generally shorter than you think it will be as well. But people want to see progress. Mm-hmm. And so you need to make progress happen. And activity does not equate progress. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> and sometimes the more activity you do, the right. less progress you have. You're absolutely uh, right. If it's the wrong kind of activity. And again, I think that's the leader's core responsibility is, you know, right thing, right time, right place, right reason. And if all those rights don't, uh, don't add up, it's not right. Yeah. So, as you mentioned leaders, what would you do to help emerging leaders prepare and in-place leaders? Mike, I know you've written a blog about being a first-time CEO, so maybe we start with you. What did you do to become proficient? You talked about working with your coach. Walk us through a little bit about what you did and Dale, maybe when you were promoted to general or when you took your first cabinet-level role. How do you prepare for those? Well, I already talked a little bit about the process I went Mm -hmm, through, mm -hmm. sort of self-reflection and then, you know, Mm -hmm. coming to, you know, some more concrete uh, mission, vision, operating philosophies, that sort of thing. And then using them and bringing a team together and being very collaborative and deciding, okay, where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. And then actually making that happen. So that was that was a lot of how I started, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. and I have used that process now in probably three or three or four businesses, mm-hmm. and that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Walk in the door, you know, let people know how I work to begin mm-hmm. with, so they don't mm-hmm. have to keep asking the question and yeah. wondering what I'm going to do. But in addition, that also empowers them because they know where I'm going to go and how I'm going to think about things and uh, and what I'm going to refer to in terms of mm-hmm. making decisions. They can actually do that without me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that really creates more more leverage throughout the system, and mm-hmm. more people can do more things. And I don't have to be involved. So so that was well. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's not that I don't have to be involved. I don't have to be involved in everything. <laughs> so so that's yeah. the inspiring part of leading. Yeah, yeah. So I'd like to know. Yeah. With Dale, you know how. how well, you know, as, you? yeah. As I listen to you, you know, you're talking about creating that sense of anticipation. And so how do you start that process? And, and the more prepared, the luckier you get as part of it. Again, we're talking about time here. So there's a little practical device that, that I use in virtually every responsibility I have. Think big, start small, scale fast. It's the idea of, of the think big is what's my context, what's my strategy, what's my outcome, what's my end point, you know. And then start small. How do I boil the essence down of taking that first step? Small enough that we can measure the outcome, determine we can do the team build with, with the individuals. And then after we have that success, after we have that learning experience, so maybe we end up with, with a couple of false starts at the start small, but then we end up with a successful start small. And then how do you scale that to solve the problem? Mm-hmm. And so the learning may end up being the scaling to where you terminate your effort and start again after you scale. But if you do the start small, you know, uh, pick an outcome, pick an outcome that you can affect. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, have it be meaningful enough that everybody on the team uh, learns their roles and how to contribute and sees the results. The simpler you can make some of these things, particularly when you first start a job. And then if you get further down the way and things get complicated, step back. All right. So This is where it fits in the big context of our strategy or our mission or organizational goals or whatever. Okay, so how can I boil that down into a small enough example that we can do in a very short period of time, that everybody can see the results, we can have our learning experience, and then we can use that learning experience to then start adding all the other complicating factors, which gets us up to that endpoint. And so that think big, start small, scale fast is something that I have used successfully personally, and I have found it very successful with the people that I help, uh, just how to cage that think big, start small, scale fast. That also reduces risk, I think, too, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Because you're, and you you're, fail fast, you fail early on yes. things, and, and, and your failures aren't consequential. And you're making it a safe environment for it, people to go out of their comfort zone and do exactly, something. Exactly. It's a lot of applications. And, and we can be talking about big things, big transformational things, or we can talk about just getting through this week. Yeah. 
Well, that parallels with what we talk about the mind of the scientist. I am continually experimenting. So that would be your start small. Mm -hmm. So we've got a pilot, we're going to test it out. And then we, once we know not only the process works, but that the human dynamics work, then we can scale it and go. Yeah. And, and the thing that I find in most planning elements is that most plans don't account for learning. Mm. They don't account for the journey. They don't account for discovery of new things. Thank you. So we are coming to the close, and I want to wrap up with just a couple of things I've heard. Let me start with the last thing I heard. (laughs) Think big, start small, scale fast. So mind of the scientist, I am continually in the mode of experimenting and realizing I'm not going to know it all. So I have to bring in the smartest people on my team. And that goes to something Mike talked about, knowing my people, building trust, having them be open and willing to share their gifts with all of us and knowing that they will be treated respectfully both respecting the person and the contribution. So tying to that being a both, that I have to feel like the organization sees me and values me. And certainly that is connected to what I deliver, has to be aligned with what's expected of me. So hopefully you as our listeners have heard something that you will be able to take away and apply in the next week. So back to Mind of the Scientist, what experiments are you going to do with what you have heard from Dale and Mike, whether you're transforming an organization or filling a pothole in some part of your life? And presumably these apply at home as well as they apply at work. And some of us have potholes at home. So (laughs) um, this is Maureen Metcalf, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I would love to hear from you. So either email me at info at metcalf-associates.com or connect with us on Facebook, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. If you have done an experiment that worked fabulously, share it with us. Let us know what you're doing and what you're trying. And if there's a topic you would like to hear from us, also reach out to me. I'd like to hear it. If you have a question for one of our guests, I will also pass that along and they'll get back to you. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you realize that the root of your challenges lie within you? It's time to find out more about coaching and how it can help both you and your business. Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves will help you gain a deeper level of self-awareness to find the answers inside yourself. Our guests are business professionals just like you who agree to a coaching session on our radio program. Tune into Coaching for Real live every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? 
Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace, Every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. My guest this week was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Clinton, Mr. Henry Cisneros, who will be here to talk about 13 trends which make investing in real estate in urban centers a sure bet. Don't miss Henry Cisneros this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. If you are in the sales field or maybe don't even know that you are, you need a plan to be successful. Every day we are engaged in business and don't even realize that it all comes down to sales. We all have something to say and need to motivate others to the same way of thinking. Sales Execution Optimization. The new SEO is the show that gets you thinking and speaking whatever the product or service. Host Bill Bush will give you the tips you need to succeed. Listen every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. 